at lunch today, I'll tell you about Don Werkstein. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. You tell them about your braces? Good morning. morning. And welcome to the worship services of Grace and I at this church on this foggy Sunday morning. We're glad you're here. We are continuing our efforts to make sure that everybody knows what's going on here at Grace. We are sending out our weekday emails to our email list. If you're not receiving those emails and you'd like to, if you'll call the church office and send us your email address, we'll let the pastor know. We'll make sure we get you on that list and we send everything out to you that we can. If you're not able to receive emails, if you let us know, we'll make sure we get that package of information to you during the week. We're entering to a very busy season as we proceed through Lent. We have a number of things going on. We, if you look in your bulletin, you'll see an insert today about the trustee workday. This is not just for trustees. I think it says you're in luck. I'm, I'm not sure about the lucky part, but we're asking for a lot of help to come help us spruce up the church for the Easter season. You'll see uh, a lot of information on that. Again, that insert, I'll, I'll commend that to you, and you can read that later on. But we are looking for some, specifically some pieces of equipment, hand trucks, some drop cloths, painting equipment. You'll see that on the insert, and, I, and again, I commend that to you. Finance Committee will have a special call meeting tomorrow at 6 o'clock. If you're on the Finance Committee, we will we'll be meeting in the, in the Fellowship Hall at 6 o'clock tomorrow evening. Again, we have a lot of things going on. If you look in the, in the bulletin, you'll see a, a litany of, of things going on over the next couple of weeks, in, including, but not in, in there, where we, is a potluck supper that we'll be having after the cantata on Palm Sunday. That potluck, Sunday will, that potluck will be a church-provided meat, and you provide the dessert and vegetables. Uh, again, we have a couple of weeks to think about that, but that'll be coming up the Sunday of the cantata. So I think it's a next to, it's a, Third Sunday of March. Fourth Sunday. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> uh, again, because of a lot of the things we have going on, the after-service 
small group will not be meeting until we get through the Easter season. We'll pick that up again in April. We mentioned this last week, but we're going to invite you again today after the service. We will be having a mini recital by CC as she prepares for her doctoral presentation. She'll be here in this sanctuary. She's going to be presenting two pieces for us as she prepares herself to for the for the real critics that are going to be hearing her as she does the recital. Uh, please plan to come to that. Following that, we will have a reception provided by Sharon over in the, in the fellowship hall, and we invite you to stay for that. Are there any other announcements that need to be made this morning? Well, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us prepare our, our hearts, our minds, and our service for our service. Let us pray. Holy God, in Jesus Christ you have built for us an eternal house, a temple of righteousness, a place of gracious plenty for the hungry, an abundant life for the poor in spirit. Fill us with zeal for the body of Christ, overturn the tables of corruption and greed and upset the imbalance of injustice, so that we may worship you in spirit and truth, through Jesus Christ, who is risen indeed. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, ask you what great thing I know, the, in the hymnal 163.
We say a special word of welcome and good morning to the children worshiping with us this day, those who are here in person and those who are worshiping at home with their families. We're glad to have you as a part of our worship uh, on this Sunday morning. Um, and what I've brought uh, this morning for us to look at is this thing. Um, this is, well, there's a long story behind this, but this is kind of like Legos, it's bricks that you build with, and it used to be a calendar um, that you could rearrange depending on the, on the month uh, and have all the days. At some point in its life, I've had it for 10 years or more now, but at some point in its life, it got destroyed in my office by um, a little boy, I don't remember which one it, that is in my life, um, and... Uh, <laughs> Some of the dates got lost, so it doesn't really work as a calendar anymore. So it more or less just stays built like this for rearranging whenever somebody needs uh, a distraction. Um, but, so I, right now it's just set up like this, and um, if I were to take it from here and um, just smash it on the ground as hard as I could, uh, just throw it right down there in the middle, um, how long do you think it would take you to put it back together exactly the same way that it is right now? Could you do it in three minutes? No? <laughs> I don't just mean like vaguely the same shape, but like got the same gaps in the same places, all the colors, all the bricks are right back where they were. You couldn't do it in three minutes? How about like 30 minutes? No? Hmm pictures, if you have pictures to work from, yeah, maybe, maybe it wouldn't take very long. But if it was just like right now, uh, you know, you couldn't go back and rewatch the footage, um, it would take a minute. Um, and the reason I brought that is because in our passage of scripture we're going to read in just a little bit, Jesus walks into the temple. Now, uh, the temple in Jerusalem took years to build, decades to build fully, to get it completed. But he walks in, in our passage of Scripture this morning, and makes the bold claim that he could tear it down and rebuild it in three days. And everybody looks at him like he's crazy. Everybody gets kind of mad at him uh, in that, not everybody, but a lot of people get kind of mad at him in that moment. Um, and they don't fully understand what he's saying, but sometimes we forget just the wild outlandishness of Jesus walking into a building, a building that took decades for people to put together by hand uh, and took all of this work and energy and money to do, and saying, I could tear this down and rebuild it in three days. Uh, and he does it on purpose, but he's not really talking about the building for one thing, but also, he's Jesus. He probably could do it um, because he's God. Um, but everybody kind of misses um, what he's really saying because it's just a crazy thing to have said. And he says it on purpose to get our attention and to make us perk up and listen. And sometimes we forget that uh, he wants us to hear what he's got to say, that he says this crazy thing. We've gotten used to that story, so we kind of gloss past it. Uh, that Jesus is saying something crazy. But he wants us to be geared up and, and pulled in and, and to feel uh, that, like, Jesus, why would you say something like this? Why, why would you go there? Um, so that we can hear what he's really saying, which is, I'm going to take the temple of my body, he says, and it will be torn down, and three days later it will be raised back up to new life for you. That's what Jesus is trying to tell the disciples in that moment, is that, and all those who are gathered, that the presence of God is with them in a new way. It's not in the temple anymore. It's in him, but that it will be torn down uh, and raised in three days for our sake. So I want you all to be listening for that as we come to our scripture reading here in just a minute, as well as our sermon, uh, and for... Um, what else Jesus wants us to know and to hear as he kind of does some crazy things in our passage this morning? Let's go to God in prayer. Almighty God, we give you thanks and praise this day for your attention getting for the ways that you seek to open our eyes, to make us more aware of your presence, to 
capture our minds and our hearts, our emotions to bring us into your presence by whatever means necessary so that we might hear what you have for us this day, so that we might understand what you're trying to tell us more deeply. We ask that you would get our attention once more, that you would reach out and show us what you have for us to do and who you would have us to be. We ask these things in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. This morning, as we continue in worship and we go to God in prayer with our prayer concerns, a reminder that if you have prayer concerns that you want shared with the church or that you want to share just with me, that you're invited to email those to me at pastor at gracecolumbia.org or call or text me with those during the week so that we can be in prayer together. On Thursday each week, we share all the prayers that we've prayed on Sunday in our daily email, um, including the prayer concerns that, uh, that we have um, in, a bu- in the bulletin, as well as the ones that are shared in our pastoral prayer. And um, so we can share those with one another during the week, as well as on Sundays. Uh, we can be in prayer together during the week. We can set a time for a visit. Uh, if you need a visit or a phone call uh, or just to pray by text, we can do that too, if that's more your speed. Um, it took me a little while to adjust to pray by text, but um, we're, we're getting there. Um, and so uh, as we come this day uh, to God, uh, we bow our heads and, and let us pray. With hearts of sorrow, we come before you, O God, to confess what you already know. We failed to keep your laws again and again We have followed our own selfish will rather than your holy and life-giving will for our lives. We have twisted your decrees and institutions to suit our preconceptions and interests rather than your own. Forgive us, O God, and cleanse us from hidden faults, that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts may be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. This day as we come in confession... And repentance, we lift those who are on our hearts, those who need to know your presence, O God. And we pray especially this day for Foster and Sharon Sin in the death of their son. The Sins are Paige Griffin's cousins. For the family and friends of Alfreda Thompson, as she passed away on Wednesday, she was a friend of Carol Cranford. For Steve and Jody Webster, for Joyce Sweeney, for George and Helena Fox, for Paul McCravey, for Sharon Sovic, for Janice O'Kane, for Felicia Presley, for Charles Griffin, for Hannah Martin, for Robert Rieger, for Angie and Chuck Hare, Eddie Redleaf's daughter and son-in-law, and their daughter Mercedes, as Angie had a heart attack and is having and had quadruple bypass this past week. For David and Kim Oswalt, for Jane Johns, for Elijah Bowen. For Reverend Michael Price and his family, as his mom had a stroke last Friday, Reverend Price is the pastor at Christus Victor Lutheran. For all the members of Grace and their families, for all those on our prayer concerns list, for a return to love, equality, acceptance, and justice, and for those prayer concerns that go unspoken on our hearts this day. God shows steadfast love to us and blesses to the thousandth generation those who follow God's ways In love, God sent Jesus to bless and redeem God's people. God forgives our sins and restores us to new life. Let us rejoice in God's mercy this day and continue to pray as Christ taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen.
who are able, please stand for the reading of the scripture lesson. Good morning. Good morning. I'll be reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 13 to 22. Passover of the Jews was near. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seating at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all them out of the temple, but the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and three days I will raise it up. The Jews said, the temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. And he was raised from the dead. His disciples remembered that. He had said this. And they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. May be seated. When I was uh, 16 years old, the fellowship hall at my home church burned to the ground. I don't know if I've ever told this part of my story before here. Um, that fellowship hall was built in the 70s, and some of the wiring had gone bad. It was nothing that uh, could have been really avoided or, 
or found ahead of time necessarily. It was just an old building, and some of the wiring had, had gotten to a point where it sparked and caused a fire in the middle of the night. I can remember my mom, uh, who was the preschool director at my home church, and they used that building pretty heavily, um, getting the phone call at about 3 a.m., and uh, I decided to swing in on my way to school to see what was going on, to just kind of know what was happening. Um, My drive from home to high school was about 20 minutes, and it took me right past our church, so I left a little early and uh, went to see what was happening, hoping that it wasn't uh, what I ended up seeing. Um, There was just a big black scar on the ground where the building should have been amid the rest of the wreckage and uh, things, a little bit of building material left after the fire department got the fire extinguished. It was not long after that that I found myself on the building committee for the new fellowship hall as the youth representative. Um, it's my first real exposure to the uh, ministry of administration in a local church. And I went to all the meetings, every last one of them, until I graduated and went to college. I tell you this story, uh, this part of my story, to, to say that the fellowship hall at my home church was destroyed overnight. Just in the, in the blink of an eye. One day it was there, one day it was gone. And it took way longer than three days to get a new one put back up. We discussed architects and contractors, classrooms, bathrooms, kitchens, gym space, wall color, floor color, preschool and youth spaces, phases for the building, and probably most of all funding. Uh, How are we going to get this thing paid for? I was a sophomore when, in high school when it burned down, and they didn't break ground uh, until well after I left for college. And it was maybe after I graduated before uh, the blessing ceremony for the new building took place. It was important work, and I'm glad I got to be a part of it, but it took a long time to do. It didn't take long for the building to be gone. It took a long time to get a new one back up. It took a long time in the deciding, in the planning, not just in the building, because our buildings, as we sit in a beautiful one here and have a wonderful space across the breezeway, our buildings are important to us. This is something Jesus seems to have understood as we hear this passage about the cleansing of the temple in John's gospel. John has this episode occur earlier in his gospel account and in the ministry of Jesus than any of the other gospel writers. It's one of the first things Jesus does in ministry I guess it's technically the second thing Jesus does in ministry. He goes to a wedding, turns water into wine, and then he does this. (laughs) Goes to Jerusalem, fresh on the heels of a miracle, starts turning over tables. He drives out the money changers and the merchants simply for being there, as John tells it we got to be clear about that as we think about this passage because in John's account of things, there's no indication of corruption or deception on the part of the merchants or the money changers. In some of the other gospel accounts, we get a little bit of that. Jesus says, stop turning my father's house into a den of thieves. Here it's just, stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. He doesn't say they're 
corrupt or cheating the people or doing anything wrong. He just says, stop making my father's house a marketplace. And that detail is important in John's gospel because it points back to the prophet Zechariah who proclaimed God's promise that when the Messiah came, the marketplace in the temple would no longer be needed. The marketplace in the temple was needed by the people. They had to often, uh, those who didn't have doves or have uh, the sheep or the lambs for the sacrifices, would bring money, and it would be Roman money, and they'd have to exchange the Roman money for the Jewish temple coin because that was all that the temple would take. That's why the money changers were there. So they would exchange one type of currency for another and then use the temple currency to purchase an animal, a dove if that's all they could afford, or a sheep or a lamb if they had more to be able to spend on their sacrifice. They'd purchase it and then give the sacrifice to the priest to sacrifice on their behalf and cleanse them from sin. It was a necessary system of how the people came to worship, to have the marketplace. And so Jesus coming in and driving the, pe- the, the sheep sellers the, and the money changers from the temple grounds fulfills this prophecy from Zechariah where we hear that when the Messiah comes, that won't be necessary anymore. The people won't need the marketplace anymore. And then we hear that the disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Zeal for your house will consume me. And they apply what they remember to Jesus, driving the money changers and the sellers from the temple grounds, that remembrance of it being written is from Psalm 69. And what the psalm actually says is, zeal for your house has consumed me. The disciples remember it as, zeal for your house will consume me. The psalmist really said, zeal for your house has consumed me. And this shift from past to future tense lets us know as as disciples, as those who are reading the story, that what we are reading and overhearing is an explanation about what is about to happen. It could have easily been in the past tense, right? The disciples are watching Jesus turn the tables over and drive all of these folks from the temple grounds. It could have been, zeal for your house has consumed me. It's happening in real time for them. But it's phrased in the future, which points us to the future. Zeal for your house will consume me. We know that what's in the future in the Gospels is the crucifixion and the resurrection. But if we had any doubt about that, John then tells us that when Jesus says that the sign he will give for cleansing the temple is that when the Jews destroy the temple, no, when if yeah, if they destroy the temple, he will raise it up in 3 days. That's the sign. He say, "By what sign do you do this?" Do you come in and drive the sellers and the money changers out? What sign do you have that the Messiah has come? Because that's the only reason you should be doing this, they ask. He says, if you destroy this temple, I'll raise it up in three days. And he's not talking about the temple building, but about the temple of his body. At that point, we realize that it's not really about the building. But they don't understand that. And that's why it's so jarring. Jesus is turning the whole world on its head on this just day in Jerusalem as a festival is approaching. A time when so many people would have been coming to give to the temple, to have their money exchanged, to buy the animals that they needed to offer sacrifice. So many of of the people were coming in this festival time to do that, and here Jesus is. 
turning over tables and driving people out. Imagine that this morning somebody walked in and started turning all of the carts and tables and things we had in the narthex over. Just started throwing them around. And next thing you know, they've grabbed an extension cord and started swinging it at people. Telling them to get out. Chasing them from the building. And then imagine they pronounced, destroy this church and I'll build it back again in three days. A lot of cell phones would come out. 911 operators overwhelmed. We need you to send somebody. This guy needs to go to the psych ward. Quick. It's a headline-grabbing piece of foreshadowing that Jesus does here. It gets the attention of those in the building. It gets our attention. But Jesus knows what he's doing. Because the idea of tearing down the building, of pulling the temple down, Now Jesus has stepped on something sacred because our buildings are important to us. (laughs) And the temple, most of all, to those the Jewish faith of his day, the building is sacred. It continues to be the case that our buildings are sacred to us. The potential they give us, the memories that we make here, the place to call home, But then they become more important, more sacred than the reasons we build them sometimes. And this is where the point of the passage jumps off the page for us. Because Jesus' consuming zeal was for God's house. But the most important part of that statement is not house. It's God. Jesus had a consuming zeal. For God's house, because it's God's. Jesus dislocates God's house from the temple, placing it in himself. His body is the temple. His body is the place where the people are gathered in. His body is the place where the people are atoned for through his sacrifice of himself. His body is the place where the people find salvation and redemption in the resurrection and cross. But he is saying to a people, to us who have seen the temple, the building as vital to their faith for 2,000 years, this building isn't important anymore. Your sacrifices are not necessary anymore. You don't need the sellers in the marketplace and the money changers anymore because I am here, Jesus says, so that you can have life and have it abundant through my life and death. And he says to them, to us, and when you destroy my body, when you destroy my body, Jesus says, I will raise it up in three days so that you can have eternal life. Jesus is telling them and us that the only temple that matters is his body. The only sacrifice that matters is his blood. And then he goes on in his life, death, and resurrection to show us that we are members of his body. (laughs) That we are members of his body. The temple of the Lord. Jesus' zeal was for the people of God, God's house, God's spiritual house. First Peter tells us that, that God wants to use us as 
the building blocks of his spiritual house. It's for us that Jesus was consumed and three days later raised. And so in light of these great acts of Jesus Christ, His great zeal for us, God's spiritual house, we're left with the question, seeing how Jesus acts in this passage, we're left with this question, are we zealous for God? Are we consumed by zeal for the one who has given himself for us? Are we zealous for the people of God, the body of Christ, the ones that Jesus was zealous for? Are we zealous for them as well? What would it look like for us to be consumed by zeal for the Lord? The way He is consumed by zeal for us. What would it look like for you to be consumed by zeal for the work of mission and ministry in Jesus' name? Let us pray. Almighty God, you you allow yourself to become one of us. You choose to take on flesh and live among us to demonstrate what it looks like to follow you, to live in your way, to be righteous and holy in this world. And not only that, to demonstrate what it means to be consumed by zeal for your mission and ministry. You allow yourself to be killed so that you might be raised for our sake. Stir in us that same zealousness, that same desire and passion that you show for us Reveal it to us, stir up our souls so that in boldness and courage we might act with such desire and passion for you and for your people. That in our living, that in our fervor, those who bear witness might get a glimpse of your goodness and your grace. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, the Christ. Amen. I invite you to stand and join with me as we affirm our faith using the Apostles' Creed. It's number 881 in the hymnal and will be on the screen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
As we give back to God out of all that God has so graciously given to us, a reminder of the ways that you can give here at Grace. You can give online at our website, uh, gracecolumbia.org. There are giving links on that homepage, including a giving button that will take you to the giving page. Um, from there, you can set up an account or give as a guest. You can make a one-time gift either of those ways. And as an account holder, you can set up a recurring gift to automate your giving and make sure it happens the way that you want it to happen. There are instructions there also about our giving app, how to, uh, how to search for it in your app store and how to get it set up to link to your online giving account. And then you can manage your giving from your mobile device as well. Uh, you can um, give by mailing your offering to the church if you uh, need to do that during the week, or, or you can drop it by the church office. Um, if it is after hours or if you're going to mail your offering to the church, please just try to give us a heads up. That way we can make sure it gets retrieved from the uh, mailbox in a uh, quick fashion and not sit there for too long. Um, and if you've brought your offering with you this morning and didn't have a chance to place it in the offering plate when you arrived, you're invited to do so as you depart from worship. The offering plate is in the narthex um, headed towards the exit doors. And so we invite you to give any of those ways this day. We are excited to be able to have our uh, recital with Cece this after worship, um, I was going to say afternoon, but we won't be that late. Um, I hadn't preached that long this morning. Um, but immediately after worship, uh, we're excited to get to hear Cece's recital and to support her as she moves closer and closer uh, to her doctorate and to uh, the end of her, um, her time as a student. And so we're glad for that, and I hope that you'll stay and be a part of that, as well as for the reception to follow. Let's go to God in prayer this morning. Generous God, all we have comes from you and has been given to us as stewards that we might live and love as your beloved children. As we bring our gifts this morning, we realize what a small portion they are compared to what you have given to us. As we have sought ways to fund church ministry without raising our level of sacrifice, forgive us. If there have been times when we unconsciously favored reaching those with more assets to give and overlooked those who live and struggle with little, forgive us. Guide us in the path of repentance. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we come to the table of the Lord to receive communion, to have time with Christ who has given himself for us, who uh, offers himself to us at the table so that we might know his presence in the body and blood and the bread and wine on this day. And so we come to the table and we remember that Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Let us approach the table in celebratory reverence this day. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up unto the Lord. It is right. Oh, let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. You brought all things into being and called them good. From the dust of the earth, you formed us into your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. 
when rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, you bore up the ark on the waters, saved Noah and his family, and made covenant with every living creature on earth. When you led your people to Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights, you gave us your commandments and made us your covenant people. When your people forsook your covenant, your prophet Elijah fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and on your holy mountain he heard your still, small voice. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. When you gave him to save us from our sin, your Spirit led him into the wilderness, where he fasted 40 days and 40 nights to prepare for his ministry. When he suffered and died on a cross for our sin, you raised him to life, presented him alive to the apostles during 40 days, and exalted him at your right hand. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. Now, when we, your people, prepare for the yearly feast of Easter, you lead us to repentance for sin and the cleansing of our hearts, that during these 40 days of Lent we may be gifted and graced to reaffirm the covenant you made with us through Christ. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory, and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. This is God's table. It's not Grace's table. It's not a United Methodist table. It's God's table. And anyone who wants to come to God's table who's ready because they have readied themselves to come to God's table is invited to do so. Uh, And so as we prepare to come to the table, a reminder about how we'll take communion this day, uh, we'll have um, intinction. And so I'll have the bread in the middle. And uh, as we As you come, I'll break off a piece of bread for you and say this is the body of Christ broken for you. Uh, Our uh, communion stewards, the smokes, will have the cup, uh, and they'll offer the cup to you and say this is the blood of Christ shed for you. Uh, And you can dip the bread in the cup and uh, say thanks be to God, praise be to God, amen. You can dine with Christ at that point. Take time at the altar. Um, If you want to take time at the altar in prayer or at your seat in prayer, Um, You're invited to do so either of those ways. If you're not prepared to take communion this way um, this morning for whatever reason, uh, you're 
Um, not sure about this intention thing because of new awareness of germs or uh, you have something else going on that prevents you from doing so, you're invited to come through the line if you're ready and cross your arms uh, over your chest. Um, If you don't want to receive the bread, I'll offer the blessing to you of this is the body of Christ broken for you. And with your arms crossed, uh, moving to the the, uh, communion stewards with the cup, they'll still offer you the blessing of this is the blood of Christ shed for you. Uh, If you want to just receive the bread, you can just cross your arms when you get to the cup. Um, If you just wanted to receive the cup, we we don't do that. Um, So you you can do the bread, but we're not doing common cup today. Um, So um, I'm sorry, that's just not our practice at this point. Uh, So um, at this time, uh, we'll have our choir to come um, and receive communion. And when they've received and gone back to the choir loft, they'll lead us in our communion hymns. Um, and then uh, you'll be invited to come after they've come at the direction of the ushers.
Please stand. Our mission at Grace is Beloved, may Jesus go ahead of you this week, turning over the tables that distract and raising you up to join in the abundant life of the triune God whose love binds us together as the body of Christ. Amen.